Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. We've been in a series for the last number of weeks called There Is More. We took a break from that series last week as Jeff Anderson spoke. And as I mentioned to you during the offering time, a million meals already distributed in Haiti. If you missed his message, I would encourage you to listen at crosspointwaverly.com or YouTube or, or Facebook. Here's what I know is that no matter where we find ourselves in our relationship with God, there's always more. There's always more. And so for those of you who feel like uh, you have arrived, I'm just telling you, you haven't arrived. Like we don't arrive until we make it to heaven. And so if you consider yourself a spiritual infant or a spiritual sage, then uh, either way, there's a place for you to grow this morning. We serve a generous God who loves to give good gifts. I wonder for you to think about, not out loud, but just think about what is the best gift that you've ever received? How did it make you feel when you received that gift? God is a generous God, and he loves to give good gifts. And for some of you, that might be a material blessing that he blesses you with, but the spiritual gifts that he offers are far greater than any material possessions we could ever get. One of the most familiar verses in the Bible that can be quoted by so many of you is John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It's going to appear on the screen, and here's what it says. For God so loved the world that he did what? That's it. That he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. In his love for us, he gave. When he saw the spiritual condition of the world, the Bible doesn't say that God gave up. When he saw the spiritual condition of the world, it doesn't say that he disengaged. When he saw the condition of the world, when he saw the sin that was ravishing people's lives, it doesn't say that he looked away or withheld. Instead, the Bible says that when God saw the condition of the world, he loved us so much that he gave. John chapter 3 verse 16 starts with love. And when he saw the condition of the sinful hearts of man, he loved. He didn't love the behaviors, the attitudes, or the actions. He didn't love the hurt and the pain that was being caused by, by sin, but he loved the person. His generosity was demonstrated in the giving of his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. As God looks at the condition of our world today, his response is still the same. He still responds with love and with the gift of eternal life. New life in Christ is the best gift ever. New life in Christ is the best gift ever. And when we become followers of Jesus, Paul writes it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Today, if you've never received the free gift of salvation, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I pray that at the end of this service today that you would make that decision to become a follower of Jesus and to receive this gift of eternal life and new life. 
Paul writes, if anyone is in, in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. And I just want to encourage some of you today, some of you need to do a funeral for your old self. Some of you need to do a funeral for your old self. And so let me just talk to you about something for a minute. How many of you have ever been hurt in your entire life? Would you just lift up your hand? Okay. Look around at those who aren't lifting up their hands this morning and ask them what in the world they're doing right to never have experienced the hurt in their life. But for the 99.9% of the rest of you, let me just tell you, we're all going to experience hurt in this life. As followers of Jesus, I believe that there's only one path that we have. But let's just take a moment and assume that you're not a follower of Jesus. Then you have a couple of different paths that you can take when it comes to being hurt. The one is this. You can walk in hatred and bitterness and in unforgiveness. You can choose that route. As a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that's not an option for us. In fact, he, God tells us that if we can't forgive someone who sinned against us, then he's not going to forgive us. So we don't have an option as a follower of Jesus to walk in hatred and unforgiveness and in bitterness. And so we have to choose. Are we going to go that lifestyle and turn away from God, or are we going to walk in forgiveness and peace? And some of you say, well, pastor, you have no idea what this person did to me. And I'm just going to tell you, you're exactly right. I don't, but I know how big God is. And I know how God can help you. And so here's what I want to say about the old self that God has made new. Some of you need to bury that old self because some of you keep going back to attitudes and actions and behaviors of the old self that's contrary to the word of God. And the word of God tells us that when we become followers of him, the old is gone and the new has come. Some of you in the name of Jesus need to bury that old life. Then when we talk about the hurts in our life, I'm just telling you, like none of us are immune to it. And so here's what I want to encourage you with, is that if you've been struggling with unforgiveness or bitterness or hatred towards someone, I pray that today would be the day that you would bury that in the ground. And then when the enemy would try to remind you of the hurt and the pain, you would point back to that moment when you say, nope, that's not who I am. The old is gone, the new has come. I'm not walking in hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness moving forward. Instead, I'm going to walk in victory, and I'm going to walk in peace and forgiveness. And I'm going to point back to that day when I buried it in the ground and the new person came. And so I'm telling you, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I think it's a strategy for some of you today. Paul talks about taking every thought captive and submitting it to the Word of God. And I just believe this morning that there are some people in this room that need to take some thoughts captive, submit it to the the word of God and say, I've done a funeral for that. That's the old self and I'm not going back. Amen. The gift of eternal life was not the final gift that God has given to followers. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told the disciples to stick around and wait for another gift that the father had promised, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Two weeks ago, I talked about that moment in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit was poured out and people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've mentioned this through this series. Robert Morris wrote a book called The God I Never Knew. The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris. I'd encourage you uh, to read that book. But he said about this passage, after hearing something they had never heard and seeing something they had never seen, these people found themselves with the power to do something they had never done. God is still giving the gift of the Holy Spirit today, and I'm so grateful. 
I'm grateful that in some of the darkest times on our planet that we don't have to figure out how to go through this life and our own talents, our own giftings, our own abilities, but instead the Holy Spirit can help us. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, Paul gives some instructions to the believers. He says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Rick Renner, in his book, Sparkling Gems from the Greek, points out that the word translated here as grieve conveys deep sorrow and distress. It comes from a word denoting a pain that can only be experienced between two people who deeply love each other. So what Paul is essentially saying is don't grievously hurt the one who deeply loves you. Don't grievously hurt the one who deeply loves you. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit because sin hurts people and the Holy Spirit loves people. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit because sin hurts people and the Holy Spirit loves people. I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit not only helps us in living our own lives, but also in helping us accomplish God's global mission to go into all the world and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Two weeks ago, we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and honestly, I hope that if you missed that message, that you'll go back online and you'll watch it. This morning, I want us to look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to encourage you to turn there in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And what I want to do this morning is to read this passage first in the Message Bible translation, and then we'll read it from the ESV, which is where we'll draw the language for the remainder of this sermon. But I just like the way that the Message Bible uh, use it, translates this. It uses this just ordinary language for this passage. So again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number one. What I want to talk about now is the various ways God's Spirit gets worked into our lives. This is complex and often misunderstood, but I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. Remember how you were when you didn't know God, led from one phony God to another, never knowing what you were doing, just, just doing it because everybody else did it. It's different in this life. God wants us to use our intelligence to seek to understand as well as we can. For instance, by using your heads, you know perfectly well that the Spirit of God would never prompt anyone to say, Jesus be damned, nor would anybody be inclined to say, Jesus is master, without the insight of the Holy Spirit. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. I love that. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. Again, I love it. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. Wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these gifts have a common origin but are handed out by one by one by the Spirit of God. He decides who gets what when. Now let's look at the ESV version of this in, in verse number one of chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. 
You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by, to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word and for the power it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that your spirit's power would open up our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand. We thank you that you are a generous God and that you're still giving out the gifts of your spirit today. We pray that you would dish them out on this church in Jesus' name. Amen. Robert Morris, in his book, The God I Never Knew, grouped these uh, spiritual gifts into three different categories. And so this morning, we're going to go with the first category that he grouped them in and, uh, and talk about three of them. And next week, we'll talk about the other two groups. I think it's important to be reminded that the gifts of the Spirit are used to edify and to build up one another. I also want to say before some of you ordinary people check out in the room this morning because somehow you have judged uh, yourself as inadequate and not, uh, not, not worthy of the spiritual gifts of God and you think that maybe those are just for super spiritual people, whatever that means, and that you don't measure up. I just want to tell you that God's spirit is poured out on ordinary people. And oftentimes when we look at spiritual gifts being exercised, God uses ordinary people doing ordinary things to accomplish supernatural results. God uses ordinary people doing ordinary things to accomplish uh, supernatural results. And so I just want to encourage you to be open to whatever God has for you. I hope that by the end of the message today that you'll see that the, the gifts of the Spirit are accessible and that they're freely given by God. Often it's as simple as having just an impression or a feeling or sending a text or a note in response to what God's asking us to do. And so the first grouping this morning of spiritual gifts that we're going to look at is called discerning gifts. And so the first one we're going to look at is utterance of wisdom. The next one is utterance of knowledge. And the third one is discerning of spirits. So the first gift mentioned this morning is the utterance of wisdom. This is a divine answer or solution for a question or a challenge. A divine answer or solution for a question or a challenge. There are a number of times in the New Testament where this gift was uh, exercised by people where God, the Holy Spirit, gave someone supernatural wisdom. In John chapter 9, verse number 24, there's this story of this blind beggar who's been healed by Jesus. The religious elite of the day were not a fan of Jesus, and they weren't a fan of this man who was proclaiming that Jesus had brought healing to him. So they brought him in and questioned him, and I just want you to keep in mind that this man had only spent a few moments with Jesus before being healed. He didn't have everything figured out, and I want you to see in this passage how he responded to these professional people who were debating him. In verse number 24, 
It says, so for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. He answered, whether Jesus is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them. I love how the Holy Spirit can use sarcasm. He says, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And listen to this man's answer. He says, wow, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has anybody's eyes who have been closed from birth have been opened by anybody else, but yet if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. The Holy Spirit helped this man outwit all of these professional debaters. I remember uh, when, when we moved into this space as a church, the, the room directly below this auditorium is a gymnasium, and it looked like this when we moved in. I just want to show it to you. If this room was a person in the South, this is what would be said about him. He has potential, bless his heart. <laughs> This room was called the pit for a reason, right? And so uh, one Sunday afternoon, Dev Momify reached out to me, and she said, uh, she said, Pastor, God showed me a plan for the youth room. And I'm just going to tell you that anytime somebody says, this is no disrespect for Dev, you're going to hear the rest of the context of this story. I'm just telling you, when anybody says to me that God told them something, like just the inner skeptic just rises up right? It just does, this defense mechanism. And so I just braced myself for it. And she said, uh, God gave me this idea for the youth room. And, uh, and so I said, well, why don't you draw it up and send it over to me? And so she did. And this is what she sent to me. So she drew this sketch where there would be decks over both sides of the bleachers. And so now I want you to go back to the previous picture. So that's before these bleachers that are super steep, steps that are super steep. And she said, God showed me uh, a vision to, to, to go to the next slide, to do this, to build decks out over both sides and to redeem that space. And I said to Deb, I said, I believe that you've heard from God. I believe that you've heard from God. And it was a divine answer to a problem and to uh, an answer that we were asking. And so we wanted to know how we could best utilize that space. And now there's like nine pictures. We're going to go through them quickly. But I want you to see what that room looks like today. Let's go. That's a small group room that you all just helped fund and finish. Bathrooms down there, which is incredible. And then check that out. The deck over the side of the bleachers, gaga ball pit to the right. And then we moved that net further over this direction this year because of how many students were coming last year. And it was still packed out on Wednesday night. So praise God for all the students that are coming. If your teenagers were not here on Wednesday night, I encourage you, make sure they're here this coming Wednesday night. It's awesome to see what God is doing. Let's go to the next slide. Yep, there's a picture of the stage where children, not children, youth, some of you call them children, I'll call them children, I got two of them in there, where youth are being led into the presence of the Holy Spirit, amazing worship, another small group room, ping pong table, 
And then there's a picture of the deck. On one side, you've got uh, chairs set up and a concession stand. On the other side, there are video games and uh, stuff set up for kids to play before and after service. But this was an opportunity where a normal person had a normal thing happen that accomplished supernatural results. And so, you know, Deb would not stand up here and say, yeah, I'm an architect or I'm an engineer. I was trained in this, so of course that's why I have it. Instead, just an ordinary person that God showed something to in that moment that has transformed that space, and I'm grateful. God's still giving words of wisdom to people today. The second gift is the, an utterance of knowledge. This is when the Holy Spirit allows you to know something specific that you wouldn't know by natural means. There's this pastor in Minneapolis by the name of Peter Haas who uh, shared a story about his 10-year-old daughter. And I came across this story when we were looking for, uh, for a building, and I'm just telling you, it was super emotional at the time. But he says they were having to move out of one of their locations, and they were looking for a new location to meet. In April of 2013, his 10-year-old daughter came to him. Did you hear that she's a 10-year-old girl? Like, y'all heard that piece? Dad, God told me that by this next Thursday, you will find a building with a balcony and decide to buy it. You won't get it right away, but God will make it happen. He said against all odds, he got a call later that week to go look at an old building in downtown Minneapolis. She told him, you'll know this is the building God is going to work out for you when you look up and say, wow. He said when she told me all of these details, I almost laughed because of how specific and how far-fetched it seemed. He said she gave even more detail that the building... uh, that God showed her would be covered in red. And he said after he went to look for the, at the building, his daughter drew a picture of the vision that God showed her. And when he got home, she brought the drawing up to him four hours later when he got home from looking at the building and showed him this. I want you to see this picture and to see the picture of the actual room. That girl had never been in that room, never seen a picture of it but yet had an utterance of knowledge in her life, something that she could never have known in the natural, but yet God showed her in the supernatural. And what a cool, cool story. And so when we're in that season of trying to find a space, I was like, God, can you speak to a 10-year-old girl here at our church? You know, like this is a hard work right now. I got saved when I was 11 years old and when, when I got saved, my parents weren't followers of Jesus. They got saved when I was 16, and so very, very grateful that that happened. But growing up, I had an aunt who had a strong spiritual voice in my life during that season, and she operated in this gifting of utterance of knowledge. It was terrifying. Because like, remember, what is an utterance of knowledge? It's when there's no way that you would know in the natural what's going on, but yet you have this. And so I'm just telling you that there were times in a very loving, in a very grace-filled way, my aunt would confront me, and she would tell me things that there was no way that she should know in the natural, and she would gently steer me back on track. How many know we need some people operating in the gift of, uh, in the utterance of knowledge? Like some of you parents are like, God, I need that one. I receive it today in Jesus' name. PG shared its testimony with me this week that when he was a children's pastor in Bloomington, that there were these two boys that came to the children's ministry. They were brought by their aunt and uncle, and he never met the father. One day he got a call that the father had passed away, and they had asked him to come and be a part of the funeral. He said, that morning I went into my closet, and I put my funeral suit on, which those of you who uh, know me, that's the only time you're going to see me in a suit. Marriage, 
<laughs> or burying you. So anyway, he put his funeral suit on, and he said, I went to grab my funeral tie, you know, just my dark funeral tie that I'd wear. But I just had this sense from the Holy Spirit that I couldn't wear that tie. Remember, God uses ordinary people doing ordinary things to accomplish supernatural results. So PG said that instead of putting on his funeral tie, that he grabbed this colorful tie out of his closet. And he said, when I pulled up to where the funeral was at, there were a number of school buses lining the parking lot. And he said, what I didn't know that morning was that the man who had tragically lost his life was a school bus driver. And look at what's right here on the middle of this tie. And so everybody's there wearing bus garb and stuff. And he didn't, like, so God gave, the Holy Spirit gave him an utterance of knowledge, something that he didn't know in the practical. And that seemingly insignificant decision that day led to the ability of him to share the gospel with people at the funeral. And I just want to say that there are times when God can pour out his Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit on us to even in seemingly insignificant moments of our life to, uh, to do things great for him. And so the third gift that we're going to look at this morning is the ability to distinguish between spirits. This is when the Holy Spirit helps in making you aware of what type of spirit is present. Robert Morris makes a clarifying point about this gift in his book. He wrote, note, this gift is called discerning of spirits, not the gift of discernment. He said, I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone claim to operate in the gift of discernment and that no such gift is mentioned in the Bible. He said, in my experience, what people really mean by that is they have a knack for criticism and judgmentalism. So in Acts chapter 16, verse number 16, Paul is going to this place of prayer, and he comes across this slave girl. And this slave girl was demon-possessed, and here's how the story is recorded in verse number 16. He says, it says, as we were going to, place, to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl, who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out of her that very hour. Paul sensed by the Holy Spirit that something was off. What this lady was saying was absolutely true. These were followers of Jesus, and they were proclaiming the way of salvation. But Paul recognized and realized that something was off, and he commanded the evil spirit to come out of her in the name of Jesus, and it did. And I just want to tell you today, demon possession is very real. As followers of Jesus, it's nothing for us to be scared of, but definitely something to be aware of. And so some of you this morning might ask the question, can a believer be demon-possessed. And I'll just tell you that there are people who approach this topic from a variety of different ways, but I just want to help you to see how I've come to the conclusion today that a believer cannot be demon-possessed. And so here's the, here's the reasoning why. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. He says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. He writes that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit as followers of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is not going to reside in a body or a temple of someone who doesn't want him to be there. So as believers, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul goes on to write in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 
verse number 14, he says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? And this is an important uh, verse for anybody who's thinking about being in a dating relationship or a future marriage relationship. He says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. As a follower of Jesus, you shouldn't be dating someone who's not a follower of Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, you shouldn't look to get married to someone who's a follower, who's not a follower of Jesus. I will say, once you're married, you're married. So we're just talking about pre-marriage and pre-dating. Paul says, don't be unequally yoked. And that final line says, what fellowship has light with darkness? The Holy Spirit's not going to share a space with a demon. Your body can't be a temple for a demon and for the Holy Spirit. Light and darkness cannot reside in the same place because light drives out darkness. So I want to share another verse with you to maybe give you some confidence with this as well. In the book of 1 John, John's writing this letter to address the false teachers. And there were a number of false prophets who were teaching. And in this, in this book, I love it, John's basically saying to them, just because you heard it doesn't make it true. Just because you heard it doesn't make it true. So there's all these false teachers, and they're telling, uh, and they're teaching false things. And he just says to them, just because they say it doesn't make it true. I think for some of you, that's a word today. So 1 John chapter 4, verse number 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. He writes, test the spirits and see that they are from God. And in verse number four, he says, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I preached through this book back in in 2015. And I remember this illustration from this passage, there were, uh, I had recently in 2015 gone to a baseball tournament for, down in Des Moines. And I was sitting by these dads whose hearts were racing. They were proud of their boys for making it to the state championship. And so, and they're just nervously proud of them. And as their sons would get up to bat, they would yell this phrase that I've never forgotten. They would say, You got this, 2 0. There's no one better. And when I came across this passage, I felt like that's what John was saying to the early church. You've got all these false teachers. You've got all this going on over here. But early church, you've got this. There's no one better. And in it, it's not a self-help deal. Because what does he follow it up with? He says, it's not because of you, but it's because greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. And I just want to say to us, as we talk about gifts of knowledge, as utterance of knowledge, utterance of wisdom, and discerning of spirits, greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. 
We don't have to worry about demonic activity because we can take authority over the devil and his demons in Jesus' name. There's no reason to fear because greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. The Holy Spirit's still giving out his gifts to use ordinary people to do ordinary things to accomplish supernatural results. I'm going to ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room today. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior. And you say, today, I want to become a follower of him. Maybe there are others of you who haven't accepted this free gift of eternal life and salvation that God offers. And you say, today is that day when I want to make that decision. Maybe for, for you, there, you, at one time you walked with God, but you've turned your back on him. And you say, today, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, that's me. I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three. Lift them up all across this room. Thank you. I see that hand. Are there others this morning? You can put it down. Are there others this morning? Thank you, God. Let's stand all across this room. There was at least one hand that went up this morning of somebody who needs to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who needs to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you raise your hand today, we want to encourage you along in the decision that you've made. We'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Text the, the word yes to 319-250-8998. The prayer team's already beginning to make their way forward this morning. And I just, we leave time at the end of our service. If if you've come today with any prayer requests and you just want somebody to pray for you, the worship team's about to lead us in this final song. And as they do, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward. Maybe for some of you today, when I talked about dying to the old self, you say, today is that day. I, I've got to make this a memorable moment. And I got to be able to point back to this day when the old self was buried in the ground and I walked in victory and forgiveness and peace moving forward. So whatever it is, whatever need that you have today, I would encourage you as the worship team begins to play and to sing this song that you would step out of your seat this morning for prayer. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.